Can truth be given to you as a philosophy? Can you get the truth sitting under some guru, some philosopher? Can you sit under the, this philosopher and find the truth? A worldly philosopher. Can you sit under Nietzsche's teaching? Who knows of Nietzsche? One of the biggest atheists of all time. He wrote more, he corrupted more hearts and minds than you could ever believe. And his teaching is still pervading in our culture. It's prevailing teaching. All the philosophers, kids who study philosophy at uni, they all get taught about Nietzsche. I know someone who read all of Nietzsche's writings and he was suicidal by the end of it. He was suicidal. And he considered it continuously and I said, why? And he told me his philosophy, I can't reiterate how he told me, he told me the philosophy that he believed, it was a Nietzschean philosophy. And when he finished telling me, I said, what makes you want to live after believing that? And he goes, well, I don't. I don't see any meaning in life anymore. So Nietzsche has stolen the meaning of life and people go and read his writings thinking they're reaching into some, you know, incredible philosophical truth and they're, they're stripped of reason to live. And it's such a sad thing because that Nietzsche is getting into so many people's lives. Now, especially at university level. Should that be the case? Should it be happening? No. If the church had done its job, guess who would be getting taught in the universities now? The teachings of Jesus would be getting taught as the ultimate of philosophies. The highest of philosophies, the teaching of Jesus. This sermon's called, What is Truth? John 18 verse 33, and it says, Pilate, now this is when Jesus was, he had been flogged, he'd been beaten around quite a bit, and he was getting taken from Pilate to uh, Herod and back to Pilate, and he's just, you know, they, they, all the way he's getting beaten up by the Roman guards, and he's been treated shamefully. And at this point, you could imagine Jesus is standing before Pilate, um, just completely battered and bruised. Hardly looking like a man, his face torn open, his uh, crown of thorns on his head, blood covering him. If, if you've ever seen a man who's had a terrible accident, his face is covered in blood. Who's seen that even in the movies, right? You see that face is covered in blood. You can't recognise him. It's hard to recognise him. And here's this man standing before Pilate. And Pilate went back inside the palace and he summoned Jesus and he asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? What a question. Here's this man covered in blood and he's saying, I can barely recognise you. Your face is swollen, beaten and bruised. And Are you the king of the Jews? Or is he saying that in a mocking sense? Are you the king of the Jews? You know, how's he talking at that point? It's, it doesn't tell us the type of um, way that he's approaching Jesus. But he's asking him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus asked, he says, is that your own idea? Or did others talk to you about me? And Pilate said, do you think I am a Jew? It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You are right 
in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Hear those words. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. And then what's Pilate's response? It's a classic response. What is truth? And then he went out and he said, I declare this man innocent. But yet he still had him flogged and crucified because of the pressure from the Jews. But Pilate asked, what is truth? <clears throat> you think about it. Pilate had heard many claims to truth. The claims of the Romans and their God worship because they had a massive emporium of gods that they would worship and they had different times of the year where different gods were worshipped and they claimed to be the truth. The claims of the Jews, he'd heard the claims of the Jews, he was living among them and they were claiming truth. And in some respects it, it was remarkably true. But there was a, a thing missing, they didn't recognise their Saviour. They didn't recognise their Messiah, their Christ. Then there was the claims of the Platonists at the time, the followers of Plato. There was also the Stoics, which is a, a philosophy of that time, uh, a philosophy of ethics. There's the Peripatetics, the followers of the teachings of Aristotle, also he was hearing all about. And the Theoretics, Aristotle's moral philosophy. And the Pythagoreans, they were followers of Pythagoras. So he had heard all the truth claims made by the Roman Senate. You think about it, all of these claims, all these truth claims, and the Roman Senate is declaring truth. And then Caesar is supposed to speak nothing but truth. And he, he was at a point, he says, what is truth? Now I've got this man in front of me who's covered in blood, who claims to be the Christ, the Messiah, the King of the Jews, the one who was, was to come and set his people free. But look at him. He's battered and bruised. He had all the truth claims made in the Roman Senate. He had all of that. And there stood Jesus. He said he's a king, but he's a king of a kingdom that was yet to come. A kingdom yet to come. And so that... So Pilate was at a point. He, he didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to treat this situation. He was lost. Then he said, what is truth? Do we hear that claim today? What is truth today? What is truth today? When you've got so many conflicting truths. And it's like they, we're standing at a crossroad. Not the Christian but the people of the world are standing at a crossroad. And actually, in many respects, even Christians can be standing at the same crossroad, saying, am I what I believe in the truth? Is, it the, is that the truth? Is there something else that's true? But then you've also got this thrust today of people that don't care what the truth is. Truth really doesn't matter. You know, they believe they, And then you've got this group that says everyone's believing the truth. And we all believe it in different ways. Isn't that strange? I always say to people that believe that, I always say, well, if there's a, one builder of a house and he built that house in a certain way, he put it down in a certain step-by-step -step procedure, you can't come along and say that someone else built that house. Only that man built that house. He was the builder. You can't say, if Jeff's the builder, you can't say Bob built it. Can you? Jeff built it. And many don't care. 
They just stand at that crossroads and they get, they get so busy and distracted by all the trappings of life. Who's been there? Who's been distracted by all the things that we have and especially living in Australia or America or Canada where we have a lot? You get distracted by all that, don't you? You know, it's so easy to not care about the truth. It's so easy. Should we consider the truth? No, I want to watch a movie right now. Get entertained. And then you finish that. Should we care about the truth? No, I want to go and do some internet surfing. Should we care about the truth? No, I want to go and play a computer game. Should we care about the truth? No, I've got to go to work. I've got stuff to do. What about the truth? No, there's too many other things. I want to go out with my mates and have a good time. I don't want to be concerned about the truth. Is that the world today? Is that the world we live in? Is that the world that Christians can live in too? Is that the world that we can sort of get caught up in and get pulled along in? And, and we miss out on the most important things in life, the most critical things in life. If you think about it, if God created you, therefore he owns you, doesn't he? The creator of something is the owner of something. If I build a house, that house is mine. Do you know what I mean? So the owner of everyone in this world is God who created all things. But people don't care. People don't care about their God. But it's testified on everybody's lips because nearly everybody I've ever heard say that continuously all the time. I've got piano students, especially older piano students, every time they make an error. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. They say it more than Christians do. Do you know what I mean? Everyone says it. Oh my God. They testify, my God, with their lips. And we say it subconsciously. We don't even know we're saying it. We don't even know it's coming out of our lips. And at Judgment Day, God's one day he's going to declare to you, you are testified to me being your God two, you know, 200,000 times in your life. Because you kept saying, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Every, everything that happens in life, oh my God. It's important to understand that we have a God and it's, it's, it's on everybody's lips all the time. How many people use Jesus Christ's name as a curse word these days? Yeah? It's, it's all the time I hear it. And I, it drives me crazy because it's a blasphemy. And everyone speaks out against Jesus Christ all the time. Use him as a swear word. Put him up there with all the other big words. You know? And it's, we're, we're in a situation today where we've got to ask ourselves, what is the truth? And my question today is, does truth matter? Does it matter? If it does, where do, where do you go for the truth? Where do you go for the truth? And I'm not, I know that uh, I'm speaking predominantly to Christian people, but where do you go for truth? Some people go to the TV for the truth. They go to the news, Channel 7, Channel 9 News, SBS World News. They go to the news. They want to get the news and find out the truth. Some people go to the government, certain leaders in the government, and, and to hear their truth, to get their things that they believe in and they're convinced of. Other people go to worldly philosophers, uh, people that speak intelligently about things in the world, but devoid of God. Other people go to New Age cults and stuff, you know. They go and sit under gurus in yoga positions and stuff and hold their fingers like that and go, um, clear their mind of everything so they've got nothing going on up here, so it's empty, you know. 
Other people go to world religions and they end up worshipping a multiple of gods. Like, you know, uh, in Hinduism, how many gods do they worship? 330 million, I believe. And every cow's a god. So they go there for their worship. And they go there and they believe that's the truth. Some people worship science. Science is their god. That ever-changing model of science, ever-changing. Ten years ago, whatever, a lot of things that were considered facts in science are no longer considered facts today. So if you pin your hopes on that, you're going to have to change your hope continuously to keep up with science. So science, science is not where you put your hope. It's a great mode of discovery, isn't it? It's a fantastic thing for humanity. It's, it's, a, it's a thing that by right was set up, and this is because it was uh, original science, scientists of, in the modern science uh, method, modern scientific method, they set up science to glorify God. It was to discover more about God's creation. But of course, atheism moved in on that. And now it's, it's, you know, it's all about, you know, can we discover how things were created without a creator? And that's a hard one. How do you get, you know, something from nothing? You can't, but they will tell you you can in their theories. So people go to these different places for their truth. And some people go to atheism. That hopeless hope. A hope without hope. It's got no hope. So if you become an atheist, you've just given up. I don't want to search truth anymore because it's too hard and I don't want to bow the knee to a great and awesome God. So they become atheists. We go to the Creator though, don't we? Because if you think about it, something that is made must have had a maker. Doesn't it? You have to have a maker for something that is made. You know, this pulpit was made. I made it. You know, I put it together, I found the timber, and I made the pulpit. And uh, if someone come up to me and tried to tell me, no, that just evolved out of, out of the ground. It just sort of spontaneously just popped into existence. I would say, or any of us would say, that's clearly ridiculous. But who knows, a human is far more complex than a pulpit. We are far more. Our eye is how many times more complex than this pulpit? Just the eye alone. Not to consider the 13 or so bodily systems and how complex all those systems are. Not to consider how complex the DNA is and that it's an information system. It's like an encyclopedia of information. Not to mention all those things about... Um, what's going on inside of us. All these wonderful things, how they all work together. Clearly designed, clearly, but yet we'll say that we spontaneously just came into existence. Or atheists will say that, or science, the main thrust of science will say that today. Is that ridiculous? Is that ridiculous to think? So my question again is, does the truth matter? Would you rather believe truth or would you rather believe a lie? Who wants to believe the truth? Yeah? Who's content on believing a lie? Because many people are. Do you know, I've had a, um, you know how we go at street menacing? I had a guy, uh, one of the early times that I went out talking to people about Jesus. Well, I didn't actually talk about Jesus, I was just talking about God, just seeing where they stand with God. And I had one guy, he actually declared he couldn't care less about truth. Didn't want to know anything about truth. And it didn't matter to him at all. 
And I found that really baffling. And he actually had me stumped because I'm thinking, how do I approach someone that doesn't care about the truth? So I was at a, at a sort of a, 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 had a blockage. I said, so you don't care about what anything, you know, if someone says to you, you're living according to a lie, you don't care that you're living according to that lie. And he goes, no. And uh, I, I worked with him a little bit further and as I talked with him, he realised that he actually does care for the truth. He does want truth, but he wants a certain kind of truth, a truth that fits into his life. And we've got to question that, don't we? Amen? We've got to, we want to want the truth that fits right into our, not fits into our life snugly, but we fit into the truth snugly. Do you know what I'm saying? Because the truth is more, more uh, what's the word? We've got to find ourselves placed in truth and we've got to change to fit the truth. We can't change the truth to fit us. Does that make sense? Because a lot of people do that. A lot of people get the truth and they mold it down and they shape it and they go, okay, that's my truth that I'll accept. It came from that and I pulled the bits I like and I've got now my version of the truth. Sure, there's elements of truth there. And that can explain a lot of world religions. But we've, we've got a truth, and I'm going to explain the truth in, in the, from the scriptures that is beyond all of these things that we see in the world. And you've got to ask yourself, the truth that you hold, will that keep you? Will that keep you confident on the day when you're ready to move on from this life? Will the truth that you hold keep you confident on the day that you're about to leave from this world because there's coming a day who knows that people don't like talking about it and there's a common saying that says you know man is the only creature on the on the planet that knows it's going to die but is desperately hard trying to forget it trying to forget the fact is man constantly trying to forget the fact that they're about to die you know, the only time I see people really wake up, or well, start to wake up, not really wake up, they just start to wake up is when you go to funerals. I'm amazed when I go to funerals, and, and I've been to some funerals just recently, and people know that I believe in Jesus, and, and we go to like Greek Orthodox funerals, and the people that never would speak to you about Jesus or about God or anything, all of a sudden they're grabbing me, Rob, he's in a better place, isn't he? And I'm going, um, you know, I hope so. <laughs> Because you know, I didn't know where the, the people stood with Jesus. And, and, and then I hear later that some of the people we've been were, you know, were staunch atheists. And they're all going, he's in a better place. And I'm going, well, I hope. I hope he is. So I can't, give, I can't say absolutely. Because then I'd be giving him a false hope. Because if you've rejected Jesus Christ, what does the scriptures say? Sorry? He'll reject you. If you reject him, you turn your back on him, he'll turn his back on you at the day when you need him most. So that's when you're facing that time, when you're facing that time, when you're entering in, you've got to know that the hope that you hold is going to get you through. Amen. I've got a, a friend who um, is a paramedic. And one thing he sees regularly is people dead. And he sees... He, he goes out into sees car accidents and he sees some terrible things and he said, Rob, some of the things I've seen is, you know, blow your mind. He says, I see things on a daily basis that people would only have seen in Vietnam. He sees the worst of the worst. He's first on the scene to a lot of the most really you know, horrific accidents. And they tell you that this person was in this motor accident and they were 
They were killed immediately, instantly. Bam, gone. No chance to lay there for maybe five minutes and reconsider what you hold as true. Gone. That's it. Don't you want to know that you hold the truth and you live by the truth now? Not in some future time. When maybe you've sinned to your heart's content, you've lived the life that you know that God doesn't like you to live by and you've done all that and then you're at the point where you go, you know what, I'm sick of sinning now. I'm going to live for God now. Is that the way it works? We've got to turn to Jesus Christ today. Amen. We've got to turn to Jesus Christ and give him all our heart. Can truth be given to you as a philosophy? Can you get the truth sitting under some guru, some philosopher? Can you sit under the, this philosopher and find the truth? A worldly philosopher. Can you sit under Nietzsche's teaching? Who knows of Nietzsche? One of the biggest atheists of all time. He wrote more, he corrupted more hearts and minds than you could ever believe. And his teaching is still pervading in our culture. It's prevailing teaching. All the philosophers, kids who study philosophy at uni, they all get taught about Nietzsche. I know someone who read all of Nietzsche's writings and he was suicidal by the end of it. He was suicidal. And he considered it continuously and I said, why? And he told me his philosophy, I can't reiterate how he told me, he told me the philosophy that he believed, it was a Nietzschean philosophy. And when he finished telling me, I said, what makes you want to live after believing that? And he goes, well, I don't. I don't see any meaning in life anymore. So Nietzsche has stolen the meaning of life and people go and read his writings thinking they're reaching into some, you know, incredible philosophical truth and they're, they're stripped of reason to live. And it's such a sad thing because that Nietzsche is getting into so many people's lives now, especially at university level. Should that be the case? Should it be happening? No. If the church had done its job, guess who would be getting taught in the universities now? The teachings of Jesus would be getting taught as the ultimate of philosophies. The highest of philosophies, the teaching of Jesus. But the church, right from the first church, even the earlier, I've read uh, the Anti-Nicene Fathers, or parts of it, and they talk about how the church so quickly fell away from living according to the truth, like fully, like the whole church living according to the truth, quickly fell and fell into worldliness. And then you read, if you read the history of the church, the church is a continuous story of the church falling into worldliness, coming back to Christ, falling into worldliness, coming back to Christ. And that's how we've seen the progression of the church right through the ages. Now we're at a point in the church today where we have fallen from the truth. And we need to come back. We need to come back. But as soon as the truth is taught, as soon as the cold, hard truth of the gospel is taught, it's hard to live up to, isn't it? Who knows? When you're called to live a holy life, because the Bible speaks of holiness all the way through, when you're called to live a holy life, is that a hard calling? When everything in your being you know, makes you not want to accept that as the truth. But it is the truth. But what did Jesus say? So is, is truth found in a philosophy? Is it found in a string of words that a person can put together? Is that truth? I've heard some really, really high-level theologians tell us that it is. 
They talk about it as a philosophical expression of words that ultimately come together to make truth. But is that the truth? What did Jesus say? He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, let's say it together, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he said, no one comes to the Father but by me. So he said this, he said, I am the way, meaning I am the road you take. I am the truth. So now we don't have a philosophy in a string of words put together by someone who's really smart. Now we have a, a, a truth which is in an embodiment of a person, Jesus Christ. He declared himself to be the embodiment of truth. And do you know why he could do that? And I'll just before I go to this scripture, turn to John again, stay in John, go to John 1. He also said, I am the life. He says, I am the life. Anyone who comes to me will have life and life abundant and life eternal. That means you can rest your hope so when that day comes, when you're taken from this life, you know you can be guaranteed that you go to be with Jesus because he is the life. And you've based your truth on an embodiment. You've based your truth on a person. You've based your life on him and you've based the road of life that you've taken on Jesus Christ. So you've travelled his road and you've followed him as truth and you've received life. Amen? Can you see that? So John 1, and it says, In the beginning was the Word. Who's the Word? Jesus. Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. So through who? Through Jesus all things were made. Now, if you're not sure of why we said the word is Jesus, go down to verse 14. Just go to verse 14. It says, The word became flesh and dwelt for a while among us. So the word became flesh and dwelt for a while among us. Who dwelt for a while among us? Jesus Christ. Because this gospel of John is all about Jesus Christ. And he was called the word. So the word was, in the beginning was the word. So in the beginning, before anything else was made, Jesus existed before anything was created, before any, any time was created, any of those things, Jesus existed. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the very beginning, and through Him all things were made, through Jesus all things were made, and without Jesus nothing was made that has been made. Nothing. So without Jesus nothing was made. So we have a Jesus who can say confidently that I am the truth. Because in that person of Jesus, he knows that everything that is, every single thing he sees was made through him. And this is the most mind-blowing thing. And this is what the Pharisees had so much trouble with. And this is what Pilate looked at him and said, what? How can this man claim those things? He's covered in blood. He's about to die. How can he claim to be that God that all things were created through? How can he claim to be the truth? How can he claim to be the only way? How can he claim to be the life of everything in the universe? The life of all things. How can he claim that? It was doing Pilate's head in. 
And that's why he said, what is truth? He couldn't see the truth in front of him, standing right there. And the Pharisees couldn't see the, the, the truth that stood before him. And do we, or does the world still not see the truth? Does the world still not see Jesus Christ? You know, as Ben was saying in the communion today, he was saying that, you know, the, the persecution has started on the Christian church in Australia. And it's going to rise and rise and rise until it will get to a point where, in some, like in some countries, where we won't be able to practice our faith like openly. We'd have to meet somewhere, you know, underground. The true church will have to go underground or else they'll be convicted. And this is what's happening. They're going to convict kids in schoolyards in, in Queensland for just talking about Jesus in the schoolyard. Kids! In primary school, little innocent grade two kid go up and say, you know, I love Jesus. Oh, really? Call the principal, get the principal over, he'll get pulled aside, get the parents in, get warning after warning until they're expelled from the school. Conviction. When has this ever happened in Australia? That's the first of many things. There's a road that that begins to take. If we don't, if the Christian churches do anything about it, they'll, get, they'll go to the next level, the next level. Now we've got this massive anti-Christian campaign going on at the same time as gay marriage. And it's like they're bringing in a new thing. No one's ever accepted gay marriage before in the whole life of this country or in the life of, you know, America and all that. And all of a sudden, if you even say a word against it, before it's even been accepted, mind you, if you even say a word against it, you know, they come down on you like a ton of bricks like what happened to Margaret Court. We're not even allowed to have an opinion against it. Is that right? But I know these things must happen. Jesus says, don't be alarmed. These things must happen. These things will take place. But the end will not come right away. So it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse in that area. However, I believe God's doing something else. Because... You know, we can fight, fight it in politically. We can fight it against the principles of schools that adopt it. And we can fight all these things and do it all in the flesh. Or we can pray and believe that God can do something. Yes. And we can believe that God can do something that's going to sweep over the whole of this country and turn hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. And people will just naturally, morally know the truth and know what is right and what is wrong. There won't be this hazy, you know, grey area in things like this. Do you know what I'm saying? We've got to believe that Jesus Christ can move in us at that degree. The truth is found in a person, as we just saw in John 1, 1 to 3. The credibility of Jesus Christ came where? It came at the resurrection. And this is the hope that we believe. This is the hope of Christianity. If this isn't true, Christianity is a farce. The Christianity stands or falls on one thing. On the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If Jesus didn't resurrect from the dead, our hope is useless. And that's why Paul said he believes in the resurrection. Because if you don't, it's useless. Our hope is a farce. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead after three days. We celebrate Easter every year in response to that. Or in most countries they call it Pascha, or their version of it, which is Passover. They celebrate the Passover. 
I think it's a better word than Easter, personally. But um, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Now, that is the hope of our faith, and that is what we've got to stand on, and that's what we've got to investigate if we have trouble with Jesus Christ, we've got to, and whether he's the truth. We've got to find out, did Jesus Christ actually rise from the dead? And the consensus among scholars, if you want to go from an intellectual standpoint, the consensus among scholars is that he actually did. Indeed, he did. Even sceptical scholars will agree on most facts about Jesus Christ rising from the dead. And so, if, you, if, if we take Scripture at what it, uh, at, as the truth, or at least if we take it as a document of history, it says that 500 disciples saw Jesus alive at the resurrection. Amen? Yes. Who's read that in 1 Corinthians? There's 500 disciples saw Jesus alive at the resurrection. And those 500 all testified to having seen him after he was crucified. And people say, oh, well, he never really was crucified. He sort of, they resurrected him or in, in the sense of uh, resuscitated him after the cross. And, and that doesn't hold because Romans are very good at killing. And Romans always kill. Actually, it's life for life with a Roman soldier. If Jesus survived, the Roman soldier who was guarding him, his life would be demanded of him. So when they thrust the spear in his side, they did that to test whether he would go, oh, like that. Because if he, you know, flinched, when that spear entered his side, they would know that he's alive. But if he didn't flinch, if he just was hanging there and that spear went in his side and there was no flinch, that means he was dead. Amen? It'd have to be. You know, all you've got to do is your, your finger with me. Just stick your finger there and I'm, I like flinch like crazy. But Jesus, that, that's what they did. Now, if that's true, that Jesus was surely dead, then three days later, they, many of the disciples saw him alive. And then it got to the point where after 40 days of it, I think, I think it was around 40 days, Jesus Christ himself appeared to over 500 disciples. They appeared, he appeared, and they all saw him at once. Now, some people will say that's a mass hallucination. You know? How, have you ever had a hallucination? Yeah? Did you have it with your friend? Did you ever have a hallucination with your friend, the same hallucination? It doesn't happen. It's a ridiculous thing to say there was a mass hallucination. But Jesus Christ uh, was seen by up to 500 disciples. Now, that is credibility. How many people do you need in court to prove a, prove a point? How many witnesses in court? If you get two witnesses stand up and, and speak on your behalf about something, that's all you need, isn't it? To be clear. I say, well, you've got two witnesses, that's it. It must be true. We've got 500 who witnessed the resurrection. So either Jesus is the embodiment of truth, as he claims, because he proved it by being resurrected from the dead, or he isn't. And that's what is basically the test that has been put upon the whole earth. Every single person on earth has to face that one question. Is Jesus the Christ? Is he God or isn't he? Did God so love the world that he gave his only begotten son? That whoever believes in him shall not, what, perish, but have everlasting life. That's either true or it's not true. And 
Jesus says in John 18, 37, everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. Everyone on the side of the truth. If you want the truth, the truth is to be found in Jesus Christ. And you can look everywhere else, but if you find Jesus Christ, you've found the absolute truth. But don't take my word for it. Make sure you look and do your searching. You know, and now why am I preaching this to predominantly Christians? I don't know, I just feel that some people may be questioning some things. You know, there's, there's always people questioning. I get, I get emails all the time, well not all the time, from time to time, about people who turn away from the faith. Who was here for that sermon that I did the other day where a lady who was a Christian for 40 years turned away? I don't know if you guys were here. Yeah. She turned away from the faith after 40 years of believing in Christ. And just one, she couldn't accept one doctrine and then that, so that doctrine fell away and then another doctrine fell because if you don't believe that doctrine, then you can't believe the next one and then so on. Before you know it, she just said, I just gave up the faith. But to begin with, all you've got to do is believe that Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God. And you've got to believe that He is the truth. And you've got to believe that He is worthy of worship, which is what we do. We worship Him, don't we? Why? Because He created us. You know, people have trouble with worshipping in church, yet they go to an ACDC concert and they're fine throwing their hands around at an ACDC concert. Who's ever been to a concert or seen worldly people at the concert and they go to the concert and they're like this, you know, <coughs> hands in the air, holding up their cigarette lighters and clicking like this, you know? Who's seen that? You know? They all do it. There's no trouble doing it towards men. But when it comes to God, people have a lot of trouble raising their hands in worship, you know. But I tell you what, when you see God, when you get to that day where God is before you, you'll have no trouble bowing the knee, no trouble raising your hands and giving Him glory. Amen? Because He, he does exist, you know. And when we see God, He's coming to collect those that have believed in him when things were hard to believe in him you know in this world like Pilate in this world there are many ways of thinking about life there are many truths many truth claims I should say many truth claims in this world but there's only one truth one truth and it's the person isn't it yeah let's pray thank you Jesus Lord, we just ask you now that you would just work in all our hearts and uh, help us to uh, really find, find the truth of what you're trying to say to us today, Lord, that you would just uh, help us to um, really embrace everything that you're speaking to us about today, Lord. And Lord, we acknowledge that you are God, that you are King, and that you created all things. And I pray that anyone here who doesn't uh, fully comprehend this, Lord, I pray that you just help them to uh, embrace the truth and uh, at least look to you as the truth and worthy of following. Because, Lord, now that I know the truth, there is no way I'll turn back. There is no way that I'll turn back. And, Lord, I pray that every single heart here, that there be no way they would turn back from the truth in Jesus Christ. Because, Lord, we want to know that on that day when we're standing before you, that you are going to welcome us into eternal dwellings. 
And Lord, we know this life is but a short life. It's a, a fleeting life. We're here one day and gone the next, as the word says. We're like a grass that grows up and withers. And, uh, and Lord, we just pray that you would just help us in this short time on earth just to come to a revelation of the truth. Help us to come into the fullness of what you've called us to be in you. That you would help us to discover you. And that every single one of us here that's on the side of the truth will accept you uh, as the truth. And start to live according to that. Start to be transformed according to that. So I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. And I just pray that uh, every, every life here will be protected. That you will watch over us and guide us and keep us, hold us fast in you um, uh, this week coming. And help us in all the things that we're dealing with, Lord. Many people are sick here today and many aren't here because they're sick as well, Lord. So we just pray that um, that you would be with all of them, Lord, and help them to, uh, um, you know, just get get over their sicknesses quickly. I just pray that you do a, a healing of all those people uh, that belong to Blessed Hope Chapel. All of us that, that come here regularly, I pray that you would just start to give us all great health. And I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Just bless our time now and... Uh, Pray a blessing over all the fathers of the church, Lord, and um, that you may uh, just uh, bless the day um, that we all celebrate today in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Amen.